0: Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at (laughs) arborbridgechurch.com. I've confessed to some of you guys before that I don't always like what Jesus has to say. Uh, it, uh, it doesn't always make me feel comfortable. Um, Tim Keller, uh, the, the late Tim Keller, is a pastor and an author. Uh, he talks about if you always like what Jesus says, then maybe you've created like a fake Jesus because now you're, you know, you're just making him say what you want him to say. But I, so that, can, that was convicting. Um, and it, I don't always like what Jesus says and nah, now so I can admit it. Um, when Jesus says something I don't like though, I try to, I try to push myself to consider it um, anyway, and here's and here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Um, if he says something I don't like, uh, it could mean that I, I'm misunderstanding him. Um, it probably means that I'm I'm just wrong, right? Uh, it, it could mean lots of things. But uh, knowing those things though doesn't make it easier. Doesn't make it any easier to 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 accept what he's saying. Uh, Michael read something that is one of my least favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, I'm going to read to you again, just in case you, um, you missed it. Here's what it says. Jesus ends uh, one of his most famous sermons um, by saying several things I don't like, but this is, this is one of them. He says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Listen to this, make this real. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. <sighs> Chilling, right? Uh, Jesus is saying that, that there are people who think they're going to enter the kingdom of heaven that will not. He, he will tell them, I never knew you. Uh, and, he, and, and here's the more the disturbing part to me he's not just going to say it to a few people like here and there like one or two people but he's going to say it to many people he says he's i'm gonna say it to many people um and i i just find that really troubling <laughs> i find that really troubling um and, and this words that he ends with that last sentence sounds mean even like you just away from me evildoers you're like you, <laughs> really <laughs> you're gonna say that At the CVS, we go to walking from our from here. There, um, the two of the. Um, Sarah and I, one time on, uh, on Christmas Eve, I walked in and Sarah and I were wearing the same sweaters. So we took a picture together. Like That's our relationship. So, you know, uh, I know them. I know them. When Jesus says, I'm going to say to many, I never knew you. He doesn't mean I don't know your name or he doesn't mean I don't know who you are. Sometimes in the Bible, um, the word "know" is used to describe a very personal relationship. Um, it's, it's a willingness to reveal yourself so, so that you can be known. It's 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 uh, it's, it's intimate. It's it's really personal. Um, so uh, often it refers to making love, uh, but it's more than that. You know, it's it's a covenant oneness, the, the, the kind of covenant oneness that God intends for people who make love, like uh, the, the that you know the the kind of um, Revealing yourself, personal. Uh, Jesus, so this is what Jesus is saying. I never knew you. We didn't have that, that kind of relationship. Listen. I can't have this being any of you. Not one of you. Like, it can't be like, well, as long as 90% get there, you know, then it's a, I cannot have this being any person. an What that would be be like is like if you had a bunch of kids and you said, well, as long as we get back with 90% of them, that'll be okay. No one. No one. Let me share this with you, and I hope it's not arrogant of me to think this way, and if it is, and please forgive me, you can bring it, to me, bring it up to me later. That would be great. Um, <clears throat> I've shared with many of you guys before that at the end of Jesus' life, he prays some words that I use as my own prayer, um, and I, I apply them to you. I apply them to you. Sometimes I apply them to you specifically. I think of you specifically, and I apply them to you. Um, <clears throat> so just before Jesus is arrested to be crucified, Jesus says this. He prays this. He says, Father... The hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. And now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So clearly I'm not saying I'm Jesus and I certainly don't have authority over all people. But if you consider me your pastor in any way, in any way, then I have some responsibility for you and certainly a, a kind of authority for you if they're willing to listen to me. So God has given me a responsibility and an authority so that I can lay down my life sharing the eternal Life of Jesus Christ with all those He's trusting me with, everyone who's tr- so let, let, I'm, what I'm saying is this: when someone comes to our church family and they say, Hey, I want to put my trust in you and let you lead me as a part of a church family, I take it seriously. I say, okay, what does that mean for me towards your family? What does that mean that I that I need to do? That, and, and, I would share eternal life with you. And this is eternal life that each one of us would know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. This is, what, this is what eternal life is, that you would know them intimately and trust them with your lives. I've also shared with you before that Jesus ends his prayer by saying this to his father. He says, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So in order for, I've I, I shared with you guys that when I'm dying, when I'm dying, when I am dying what i do not think I hope to do, I'm on my deathbed. I want to look up and say, hey, <clears throat> I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. You are a part of that. You are a part of that. And, here, and here's what I intend or here's, here's, here's what I intend to do with that is that every one of you will know him. Every one of you would know him. Everyone. And if there's one, when I'm dying, and if there's one of you, I'm like, mm, you got to. Nope, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. That every one of you would know him. In order for me to be able to say that, I've got to do everything I can to see that none of you will ever, ever hear the words, "I never knew you." Jesus says, only the, one, the, the, the people who won't hear that, they're, they're the ones who do the will of my Father. Those are the only people who are going to avoid hearing those words. So I've assumed what that means is the one who accomplishes the things that Jesus has been talking about in his sermon. He's just done a sermon where he's laying out, do this and do this and do this and be this. And he, he goes through this whole sermon. And so in, in the last month, uh, we've been talking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Here's what he's asking his followers. You ask him to be the light of the world. He says, I want you to be the light of the world. Darkness in the world is self-centeredness, uh, self-focus, doing, you know, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus says, don't be that. Don't be that. Be extravagantly, extravagantly other centered. So much so that in a dark place where everyone's running around being selfish, your selflessness will stand out like light and dark. He says, be the light of the world. He says, don't murder, but go further. He says, go as far as avoiding being angry with other people. Don't insult people. If you do, you're in danger of the fires of hell. When people get angry with you, do what you can to reconcile with them. Think about that. Think about that for a second. When people get angry with you, do what you can to reconcile with them. So Think about, think about what it would be like if the person you're most angry at in the world pursued you. Humbly approach you, uh, apologizing, asking for forgiveness, saying, how how do we make things right? Like, uh, imagine, imagine the person that you're most angry at doing that to you. That would be incredible. You you, you wouldn't even know what to do with yourself. You'd be like, wow. Jesus says, do that. Do that for others. Do that for other people. He says, don't sleep with anybody that's not your spouse. In fact, don't objectify other people by daydreaming about what it would be like to be with them. And then, it, in fact, in your marriage, keep your vows. Go far in keeping them. And not just in your marriage, but in every word you say yes, let your yes be yes, let your no be no, no matter how big or how small, keep your word. And the people and the people that you, who you've done dirty. I'm sorry, the people who've done you dirty, the, the, your, the, the, the people who, who you've got bad blood with, the people that you just love them. <sighs> love them, forgive them, don't retaliate, pursue them graciously. All right, this is impossible, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. This is impossible. The, the requests are impossibly hard and often not practiced by us. Um, in in any, group, any group that you become a part of for more than 15 minutes, pretty soon you, you, know, you, could, you could take this list and be like, oh, we're not doing that. What Jesus is asking for in his sermon is impossible, and that's a problem because Jesus has just said, if you want to make it to the kingdom of heaven, you've got to do my will. You've got to do the father's will. And if this is it, if this is what the father wants, we're not doing that, right? I'm not doing it. So I think that I'm doing it until like this week. There was somebody in my extended family. Just I have no words for how angry I am at them. And it's very clear. I'm not doing this. I'm ready to fist fight them. I just, ah, so angry, so angry. So just when I think I'm doing it, I'm doing good, I'm being. One of Jesus' closest followers says that Jesus is a cornerstone. He's a cornerstone of what we believe. He's a cornerstone of everything that we are. If you're a Jesus follower, he's the cornerstone. He is it. It is is everything. He's everything. But he says, for those of us who don't trust Jesus with our lives, Jesus is a, a different kind of stone. He describes it like this. He says, Jesus is a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. Jesus um, introduces all these incredibly difficult things in his sermon as ways to live by. Uh, and th- there are things that are, that are, that are completely counterintuitive. Um, and and there are things that, uh, that it appears that I can't do for very long, even if I can do it for a little bit. And some of his commands I don't even like. So I, I stumble over what he says. I stumble because I can't seem to keep his message for very long. So sometimes we read Jesus' a sermon like he's trying to teach us something. Like he's trying to teach us something that's natural, like, like to walk. He's like, Jesus is trying to, teach you, he's trying to teach us to walk. And so he's giving us all these. He, he's not, Jesus isn't trying to teach you how to walk. He's trying to teach you how to fly. If that's true, if that's true, then you think about, somebody can teach me how to to swim or how to jog or how to do, how can someone teach you how to fly? It's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. Jesus has been introducing all these commands that we find ourselves tripping over. And the weight of his commands, if, if you try to practice them, crush you. They crush you. And you're snared and captured by your own sin. It's, it's overwhelming. And it's, just, and it's no wonder, it's no wonder that a day is, is actually coming. There is a day that's coming where many will say to the Lord, Lord, hey, I'm, I'm, look at all the things I've done for you. And he says, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the ones who've done the will of my father. Jesus, did you do them? So let me ask you this and think about this. <clears throat> when Jesus says, only the ones who do the will of my Father, what if he's not talking about all the list of rules of the commands that he just said in his sermon? I mean, it seems like that's the. What if he's not talking about. When I think of, of doing God's will, I typically think of following his commands. So I assume what Jesus means when he says, people are going to say to him, Lord, Lord, but not be allowed to enter the kingdom of heaven because they haven't followed the will of God. I assume he's, what I assume he's talking about are people who are not very good at following Jesus' commands, which typically I think that's not me. Um, so just a few sentences before Jesus says, he's going to have to tell many people, I never knew you. He says this, he says, <clears throat> enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many, many enter it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So throughout Christian history, some of you guys know this already. Throughout, throughout Christian history, the way that we've understood this verse to mean is that one side, there's all these people on the, this, this side of the road, the, the, the wide gate is all these people who are like, Partying it up and doing bad things, and they 're the bad people, and just, they 're the ones who to do the terrible stuff that we talk about here on Sunday, Bad, bad people, and then on this side of the people it's like the people who are like, "Oh, they, they give and they, they come to church and they do the right things and they say the right stuff, and they, they, they 're the good people this is the bad. I mean and some of you I mean you 've seen paintings of this or pictures of this, maybe, where it's just all these people over there and they 're partying, 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 and at the end there's like fire. <laughs> And then over here is like a sun and like, ooh, and, but it's the narrow gate. It's, so this is the way that I've always understood this is bad people, good people, people who are not following Jesus' commands and the people who are. The way I've always understood that is this. And so I've imagined that, that on you know, this side of the road, good, this side of the road, bad. So what if the will of the Father that Jesus is talking about isn't about doing all the commands? Like, what if the will of the Father is, is that you would know Him? That you would know Him in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And not know Him like I know the employees at CVS, but that. That you begin by saying, Jesus, I'm not sure about everything. I don't know. I don't get all the th- rules that you're talking about. I, I, don't, I don't understand why you asked for this and not that. I don't, I don't get it. But I'm going to trust you and I'm going to pursue knowing you. That is, that is his will. That is his will. For people who don't trust him, Jesus is a stone that causes them to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. So I've understood that to mean people who aren't Christians or people who aren't trying to follow the rules or people who aren't trying. That doesn't mean that because you can be trying to follow the rules and you trust the rules or you trust the commands or you trust your ability to follow the commands. Or, you, or, you, or, or if you, go, you can go to a completely different direction, you trust whatever it is that you have in your life that makes you feel like, okay, good. I'm enough people don't we don't trust him maybe because we can't keep up or maybe because we, you know, we don't even want to keep up but I'm, again let me say this to you I, You guys know, those of you guys who know me, I, I don't like to leverage the word pastor when we're out and I don't when we're out and about, I don't really love for you to introduce me as this is my pastor. I don't love it. I don't I, and I don't I, I've been to churches where the, the, the pastor will say you'll say, Hey, how you doing? And you say, Hey. Um, I like to be called Pastor Daryl. I hate that. I'm not about it. One of the reasons why is that I can leverage it in moments like this where I was like if I am your pastor then listen to me on, listen to me on this Jesus can't be talking about you When that moment comes he says to many people I don't know who you are He cannot be talking about cannot be talking about you to do everything i can to to assure that i want to give my life for that that can't be you here's on the other side here's what god wants you to be you are chosen people you are royal priesthood you are a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare. This is what you're made for. Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Peter is talking about something that you are, something that you become. So in order order for you to fly, in order for us to fly, we would have to become something that we are not now. You have to become something different. Jesus doesn't want to teach you to walk. He wants to teach you to fly. In order for that to happen, you have to become something different. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. God isn't trying to teach you to do something. He wants to turn you into something. He wants to turn you into something. That happens. That happens when we know him intimately and personally. And and that is why at the end of Jesus' sermon, I'm sorry, at the end of Jesus' life, he doesn't pray that eternal life is obeying his commands. He doesn't say, Father, you've granted me authority over all these people so that I can make sure they keep all our commands. He doesn't say that. He says, you've given me authority over all these people so that I could give them eternal life. And this is eternal life that they, each one of them would know you would know you, the only true God, and then Jesus Christ whom you have sent, that they would know you. So please understand this. Please understand this. Now this is, so whenever you speak on any subject, you know, I, I always feel like I have to do disclaimers. Otherwise, you know, someone wants to bring up something to me. So here's my disclaimer about this. I'm not saying that Jesus' commands aren't important. Jesus' commands are important. Of course, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. But notice what he says there. Notice what he says there. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. He doesn't say, obey my commands, then that'll prove that you love me. He says, if you love me, then you obey my commands. What if what, if, what if what he means by that is, if you love me, then I'm going to turn you into someone who can, who can obey my commands? What if that's what he means? But the only way that you have a shot at doing, doing that by following his commands is knowing him intimately and personally. And, and, and what results is that we surrender to Jesus and he increasingly turns us into a person who can follow his commands. So he turns us into a royal priesthood. He turns us into a holy nation. He, he, we come out of darkness of trusting our own things and own plans and own investments and own whatever you trust. Your, you know what you trust. into the marvelous light of knowing him, into the marvelous light of knowing him.